Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Now, broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. Celebrating 25 years of radio excellence. The Armstrong and Getty Show. presidents of the past i've finally had enough of this and i have set out to end this idiotic claim once and for all the woke left makes a heck of a lot of idiotic claims some of them are some of them require arguments and 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 creative logic to disprove them some of them are just bizarre misstatements of fact they're lies and here's one of them the whole thing about lincoln Lincoln and the slavery. The whole thing about, okay. <laughs> Lincoln and slavery. When you just said the whole thing about Lincoln, I thought, okay. The whole thing about Lincoln. Number one, he had no beard. Number two, he'd never been to Illinois. No, of course not. Uh, Lincoln's relationship to slavery. Part of the reason I bring this up, you know, in the wake of various uh, Lincoln monuments being defaced, the utter half-wits of the San Francisco school board talking about how schools shouldn't be named after Lincoln, etc. And then you have a couple of developments, this Disney cartoon, The Proud Family, that has gone full-on DEI woke Black Lives Matter militant. And uh, the new Disney and streaming cartoon aimed at children features elements of critical race theory, identifies one of the white characters in the show as guilty of white fragility, denounces Lincoln as not caring about ending slavery, etc., going into detail. In the season finale, the town of Smithville is about to put up a statue to founder Christian A. Smith. And, of course, they had to throw the, uh, make the name Christian, by the way. That is not unintentional. One of the characters, Maya, discovers Smith was a slaveholder. Maya is raised by an interracial gay couple, because of course she is. Mm. Randall, who is black, angrily denounces his husband, Barry, who is white, for defending the town founder. Proof of white fragility says, I don't understand anything about your white fragility. After Barry expresses ignorance of the concept, Randall lectures, 
You know what it means. You're doing it right now. Being defensive about race. Robin D'Angelo wrote a whole book about it. Read it. You're on page 39. This is the same book that, among others, Matt Taibbi, prominent liberal, denounced as a pile of horse s. By the way, if you're not familiar with it, the book White Fragility insists that white Americans use anger, shame, and guilt to avoid taking responsibility for racial inequality. Uh, in the real world, it's been used to label white students racist just for being white. Ultimately, Barry asks for forgiveness for his defense of the town founder. I was so ashamed of the history, I couldn't face it. I wanted to pretend it didn't happen, he said, falling into line. And then, in the episode, some of the students talk to English teacher Brother Kwame, who lectures them that Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation didn't free all the slaves. One student reacts in horror, saying, So it's true, Lincoln really didn't care about freeing slaves. And Kwame claims, actually, he wanted to deport us. The girl angrily responds, Why are we just learning this? This should be in the first sentence of his biography. Now, we could start with the fact that Lincoln historian David J. Kent, author of three books on the 16th president and the president of the Lincoln Group of D.C. for comment, he called the show's dialogue a mix of misrepresentation, non sequitur, and falsehoods. For instance, the deportation thing is that Lincoln called for a voluntary option for free men and women to colonize areas outside of the United States if they wanted to, if they didn't want to keep living in the U.S., for which the federal government would pay all costs and provide a means to get started in the new area. This option was offered because ending slavery would not end racism, either in the North or South, and Lincoln and many others thought they should provide an option to start again elsewhere without racism. Lincoln's support for colonization was tepid at best, by the way. He thought it was an interesting idea and one of several options. Then, the ultimate point I wanted to make. Jack, if you'd like to interject here, anything at this point? or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm battling on aggressively. Uh, I got something, but I'll save it. Okay. Anyway, so I decided to go back and comb the Lincoln record, and I will hit you with a handful of quotes. Starting in 1837, when he was 28 years old in the Illinois General Assembly, and co-wrote a resolution with one of his fellows. Resolutions upon the subject of domestic slavery having passed both branches, etc., etc., they believe the institution of slavery is founded on both injustice and bad policy, but the promulgation of abolition, blah, 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 they believe that, uh, where's the important part? part um it was calling for the restriction of the growth of slavery at the age of 28 in 1837 in 1854 if a can prove however conclusively that he may have right enslave b why not b snatch the same argument and prove equally that he may enslave a you say a is white and b is black it is color then the lighter having the right to enslave the darker take care by this rule you're bound to be the slave of the first man you meet with fairer skin than your own mm. You don't mean color exactly. You mean that whites are intellectually the superiors of blacks and therefore have the right to enslave them? Take care again. By this rule, you are to be the slave to the first man you meet with an intellect superior to your own. But you say it's a question of interest, and if you make it your interest, you have the right to enslave another. Very well. And if he can make it his interest, he has the right to enslave you. Does that sound like a man who didn't want to end slavery? And that was in 1854 before he got really into it. And I could go on for an hour with these quotes. So I tweeted out the review of the new Lincoln book by John Meacham. John Meacham has won many big historic prizes. He won the 
Pulitzer Prize for American Lion, the book about Andrew Jackson. But anyway, so he's got a new look, Lincoln book out called In There Was Light, and our friend Tim Senefer reviewed it. I tweeted that out. It's pretty interesting. A lot of the stuff you were just talking about, Tim getting into uh, pushback on the 1619 Project and that sort of thing. I hope this gets worked out of our society over this period of time, and the 1619 view unchallenged doesn't just make it into our schools, and that's the direction we go from here on out. Right. Right. Indeed. Uh, a few more. What time is it? Yeah, we have time. In 1858, speech at Chicago, Illinois. I have always hated slavery, I think, as much as any abolitionist. I have always hated it. Later that year, as I would not be a slave, so I would not be a master. This expresses my idea of democracy. Whatever differs from this, to the extent there is a difference, is no democracy. Stating clearly, slavery can't coexist with democracy. You could go into the Lincoln-Douglas debates in which he made brilliant cases against slavery and certainly the growth of slavery. How about this classic? The whole uh, all men are created equal thing. Well, that was just perpetuated to keep white men with property equal and not black people. One of the bizarre and wildly inaccurate claims you hear from the woke left. Uh, Lincoln in 1858, his last debate with Stephen Douglas. When this new principle that African Americans were not covered by the phrase all men are created equal, this new proposition that no human being ever thought of three years ago is brought forward. I combat it as having an evil tendency, if not an evil design. I combat it as having a tendency to dehumanize the black man, to take away from him the right of ever striving to be a man. I combat it as being one of the thousand things constantly done in these days to prepare the public mind to make property and nothing but property of the black man in all the states of the union. He finds it evil. He's shouting it's evil to suggest that that phrase didn't include dark-skinned people. Lincoln didn't was soft on slavery. You lying, slandering, radical Marxist... Mm, I almost used an unfortunate term, folks, and I'm glad I didn't. I could go on and on. I think slavery is wrong morally and politically. I desire no further spread. Should not object if it gradually terminates in the whole union. There was one that was absolutely great where he quotes the founding fathers at length where it was infinitely clear that they wanted slavery to go away. But they it was there when they started the country and they didn't know what to do about it. But they designed it specifically to choke it choke it off, not to perpetuate it, you lying liars. Anybody claims that, that Lincoln was fine with slavery, he just did it as a convenience, you know, during the, the Civil War. They either are flaming ignoramuses or liars. Well, it's all a new take. Also, it's not like new information was discovered or anything. All the 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 the, uh, the history of Lincoln was known when Martin Luther King Jr. gave his famous "I Have a Dream" speech at the Lincoln Memorial, quoting the whole "All men are created equal" at some point in his speech, and he clearly thought that made sense to be at the Lincoln Memorial. He wasn't there to say a link was a racist. Wasn't the point that he gave the speech there. There's a Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in every city in America. It's a federal holiday. It's Black History Month. And the, but there's a rewriting of the whole Lincoln part of it. And well, and, interesting. Like I said, there's not like new information came out. Tens of thousands of freed slaves took the last name Lincoln at the time. It's not because they were wrong about Abe. All right. End of rant.
Yeah, I doubt it's the end of the discussion. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Those who would battle against lies and falsehood and extremism can count on long employment. It doesn't go away. Quick question for you. What if you happen to miss this unbelievable radio program? The answer is easy, friends. Just download our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. It's the podcast version of the broadcast show, available anytime, any day, every single podcast platform known to man. Download it now, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. This article in the Washington Post, Millennials Aren't Having Kids, speaking of kids, and here's why. Uh, They looked into some statistics that were actually different than a lot of the stuff we talked about in the past that I found pretty darned interesting. And I want to talk a little bit about the culture of children just in general. Out of last Tuesday's election, what was the number one topic the next day? Abortion. About how abortion plays in America. And I was uh, reading a, a long article in National Review about how abortion and the views of abortion are downstream from our politics or our culture and how culturally we are just way more anti-kid than we used to be culturally. There's no doubt about it. And they use the example of the way people react to pregnancies, especially for like anybody under like 27. It's seen as, oh, as opposed to, oh, what a blessing. Um, the The movement toward flights, restaurants, hotels that are kid-free, which would have been unthinkable not that many years ago, just because, you know, you really want to be away from kids because kids are so awful. The way people react to the idea of large families, they see that as kind of weird. You know, just all that sort of stuff that didn't exist not very long ago leads to some of our attitudes about abortion and voting and all that different sort of thing, which I think is really, really interesting. But one of the stats that they, they brought out in the Washington Post is the number of people who have one kid has remained flat going back to, like, the mid-70s. So while we're having fewer kids and there's a lot more people having no kids, the number of people who have one kid has remained flat for a very long time. My I'm surprised by that, I've got to admit. Well, my, I thought it was on the rise. My interpretation of that... That's like the least popular choice. I'll get to that in a second. To have one kid, if you're going to be, if you're going to have kids, that's like the least popular choice. But practically nobody thinks having one kid is a good idea, including people who have one kid. Isn't that interesting? But um, to me, that says that the argument of people aren't having kids because of the economy or rent prices or whatever doesn't that fly in the face of that? I've always thought that that's stupid. I've never believed that that it's economic reasons that people aren't having kids. There's there's something going on with uh, the species where we just feel like we're safe and there's enough of us we don't want to have kids. But if wouldn't you think the number of people having one kid would be growing steadily if it was about how much it costs to have a kid? Yeah, that makes sense. I've never bought that explanation either, so I haven't thought about this much. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so people that are going to have kids, they go ahead and have two or more. Mm-hmm. They don't have one. So that has stayed flat pretty much our whole lives. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, uh, If you want to have kids, but they're just too damn expensive, you'd have one. Almost nobody thinks you should have just one child. What do you think is the ideal number of children for a family to have? I have two. Joe has three. Michael has two cats. Hanson has yep. two. It's because only cats are obnoxious and, and self-centered. 
the most popular number for kids, if you're going to ask people, is two, 44% of people, followed by three at 29%. So that's the biggest bulk of what do you think is the ideal number of kids? That puts, puts you, mm-hmm. what, 83%. Uh, and then the next biggest chunk is four kids. Only 3% of people think one is the ideal, ideal number of children. Which includes a majority of people who have one kid. Let's find that interesting. Sure. Um, by the way, only 2% of people think zero is a, is a good idea. Yet that's a growing trend. Hmm. Even if you poll people who currently have one child, only 6% of them consider one to be the best number. Zero is, is even less popular. That's really interesting because people tend to be uh, really into self-justification in polls like that. You think? They want to explain why their lifestyle is indeed a good idea. So that that's telling that it's only six. Yeah. Um, parents with fewer kids almost always think more kids would be ideal. Huh. So doesn't that fly in the face of the reality of what we've got happening? With people not having kids in our population... The lowest it's ever been. The birth rate is the lowest it's ever been in the United States of America right now. Well, yeah, it, it absolutely flies in the face of that. And I think it's coming together in my head what you're driving at. Um, clearly, this puts a lie to all of the kind of surface sociological explanations for declining birth rates. It's not expense or I really like travel and stuff like right. that. It's something biological going on, bio-psychological, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we're... I'm, and whether it's hormones in the water supply or, or cell phones or, or porn or just something way down deep in our lizard brains that are telling us don't reproduce, you don't need to. We've talked about the startling drop in sperm count, but... I think that's as a result of the fact that we don't want to have kids. So everybody says, oh, you're not interested? Okay, well, I'll stop producing sperm then. Let's not waste our time here. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and also, I don't know that many people who really want to have a family, but they just can't get pregnant I, because they're because of a sperm issue, because the guy doesn't have enough of them. So I don't, that's not contributing to it. This is something we got to figure out. Elon Musk thinks it's the biggest problem facing mankind is just that we've lost the desire to have children. Things are getting yeah. weird, and they're getting weird fast. I would agree, Elon. Armstrong and Getty. This is the day that we say you're about to open a pit of hell. The Bobcat Technoloid. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, guys. Obviously, this does not appear to be a nominal situation. Well, Lottie freaking God. Okay. Come on. That was quite entertaining. That was really cool. It, it, it makes no sense. This country is going to be in big trouble. I'm going to call my lawyer. Gun. Armstrong and Getty. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. 
It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio, the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong, Jackie back, Jack. and Joe Getty. Joey, baby! Things are getting weird. Things are getting weird fast. I'm strong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. Everyone knows it. But the dramatics could come down just a little bit. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. earlier, uh, Wall Street Journal with a fabulous and troubling editorial. Uh, American children, young Americans are dying at alarming rates, reversing years of progress. The numbers are horrifying. Horrifying. And we're focused on right these two numbskulls. I think Harry, I think Harry and Meghan have the opportunity, or maybe have already passed what I thought was the most annoying couple of all time, J-Lo and A-Rod, oh, when yeah. they were together. I think so. Yeah, and that's that's a tough title to win. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a bold statement, but I think you're right. So uh, if you, my friends, have had to, and I know a lot of you have, sit through the insulting, racist, illogical, cruel, idiotic DEI training in recent years, take heart. There might be a little progress on that front. Maybe. This is from the New York Times, which, uh, to their credit, uh, published a piece. When was this? Uh, In January of this year. We talked about it. What if diversity training is doing more harm than good? They go into a bunch of studies. Well, first they point out that $3.4 billion was spent on this training in 2020 alone. Wow. It's a multi-billion dollar business. Marching in and giving your your employees or you a, a stern lecture on how white people are evil and always evil and always will be evil unless you get on your knees and genuflect to our radical theories. Right, it's so completely unnecessary, too. I mean, it's not only annoying and time-wasting and everything. It's just, it's just unnecessary. It doesn't need to exist. Well, yeah, and they mention in these studies that it does more harm than good. It, it causes uh, feelings of unhappiness and I, racial resentment and the rest of it to rise. I don't doubt that. Oh. I, I walk out of any of those kind of trainings angry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
There, uh, the New York Times with a different article, why some committees are saying diversity and belonging instead of diversity and inclusion. You know, the, the names, the words don't matter because they'll change them next week anyway. That's part of the thing. They can't change it constantly. You have to adopt the changes constantly or that makes you a racist and a bad person. So you're always on your heels and you never say, I don't believe this stuff. I think it's bunk. It's, it's just, it's rules for radicals. It goes way back. The Communist Party did it constantly. What's the party line? That's where that term comes from. Anyway, so this article starts with a description of a really old school aerospace company where, uh, you know, people had to wear bow ties to work until the 1990s. <laughs> and so the CEO, uh, I guess he's the uh, the HR officer, chief HR officer, said, you know, we probably ought to, like, get into the modern era a little bit around here. And he he did some searching and he came across a black comedian and former media personality named Kareth Foster. She's the CEO of Inver- Inversity Solutions, a consultancy that rethinks traditional diversity programming. And Ms. Foster said companies must address racism, sexism, homophobia, anti-Semitism in the workplace, but she believes that an overemphasis on identity groups and a tendency to reduce people to victim or villain can strip agency away from and alienate everyone, including employees of color. This is a woman who's got a bit of wisdom, and I salute her. She says her approach allows everyone, quote, to make mistakes, to say the wrong thing sometimes and be able to correct it. And they go into a description of her, her her opening seminar for the companies. Shortly after taking the stage, she asked everyone to close your eyes and raise their hands in response to a series of provocative questions. Had they ever locked the car when a black man walked by? Had they thought, yes, Jewish people are especially good with money? Had they questioned the intelligence of someone with a thick southern accent? What was that second one? Jewish people really are good with money. <laughs> okay. Um, questioning the intelligence of somebody with a, a southern accent. People raised their hands tentatively, even fearfully. But by the time Ms. Foster finished the list, nearly every hand in the room, including her own, was up. And she said, congratulations, you're certified human beings. It's not about being right or wrong, but I'm understanding when bias comes into play and just being aware of it. So it is definitely not the Robin D'Angelo, white people are evil, uh, white fragility, DEI, Black Lives Matter stuff. It's, look, we all come to life with certain attitudes. Just be aware of them and understand. If a Southern guy walks in, he's an engineer and he's from Mississippi, you can't think this guy's an idiot. Just be aware of bias when it creeps in. It's it's much more just even-handed and reasonable. It's, yeah, do we a, need, it's a psychology class. Do we need this, though? Yeah, a psychology class. That's what I was thinking. This is kind of an interesting thing to have in college. Do you need that in your sea of insurance agents who are sitting in cubicles typing in orders to function? Well, that depends on your point of view. If, um, if, 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 if I was she, a black man with a southern accent, I might answer that question differently than I would. And I'm I'm ready to concede that. But don't you think Jim over there in that cubicle will quickly figure out? Oh, he's not dumb. I I might have thought he was dumb because he had a southern accent, but he's not now that I know him. Well, if I mean, he doesn't, Jim's an idiot, and you ought to fire him. <laughs> I just I don't know. Why don't you straighten up, Jim? Uh, but then they go into some credits worry. It's about making white people comfortable rather than addressing systemic inequality. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, nice. 
the belonging obsession. I'm, I'm skipping large swaths of this article, but um, it's all about belonging. The belonging obsession is the result of a now widespread corporate standard. Jack, I know you love this. Bring your whole self to work. If you have the flexibility to work wherever you want and the freedom to discuss the social and political issues that matter to you, then ideally you'll feel that you belong at your company. Bring your whole self to work. Wow. All of your attitudes and beliefs and and talk about them constantly and openly. What was that sentence there about the political issues? That's something. Uh, (laughs) The freedom to discuss the social and political issues that matter to you. Who wants their coworker, who they're already kind of annoyed with, to bring their social and political issues to work. And Nobody wants that. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody wants that. Nobody. Except maybe the snowflakiest members of, of uh, Gen Z. It's an idiotic idea. That's exactly the opposite of what you ought to do. Right. Go and do your damn job. The rest of you is for your friends. Maybe your relatives who are rolling their eyes the minute you turn your back. Well, I have a feeling the crowd that wants it is, a, is picturing having uh, enjoyable conversations with people they agree with as opposed Exclusively to running. Exclusively people they agree with. <laughs> Instead of running into somebody who has completely different opinions. Yeah, if somebody says, you know, I, I disagree. I, and it was interesting. I witnessed, I overheard quite an animated discussion in the office here um, the other day. I, I'm going to be vague about it. I don't want anybody calling me and asking me for the particulars. If you do, I'll say I can't remember. Um, Made it up. Everything we say on the air is fiction. Always remember that. Every single thing. In fact, we're AI generated, the two of us. Um, Anyway, it was quite the animated discussion about drag shows for children. And it got personal and heated. Anyway. Really? um, Here? Yeah. Yeah. Who was it? It was Mo and Larry in accounting. Do you know who it was, Michael? No, no, and it wasn't me. Think about it. Anyway, um, <laughs> I have some guesses. <laughs> they're probably correct. Um, where, where was I going with that? Oh, the idiotic idea of bringing your your quote unquote whole self to work. Yeah, I mean, if you're t- going on and on about how wonderful you think trans acceptance is, and I say to Mutilate the bodies of adolescents or feed them hormones because of a momentary confusion during puberty is cruel and it's child abuse. I, I'm bringing my whole self to work. Are you going to say, hey, Joe, I really appreciate you sharing what's in your heart? No, you're going to effing explode. Right. And you're going to run weeping to HR saying there's a hater and a transphobe in the office. You lying punks. God, that is the craziest idea ever. I know. I know. How could how could you possibly think that would work? Jonathan Haidt, social psychi- uh, psychologist, professor at NYU and one of my heroes, wishes we weren't having this conversation about identity and belonging. Quote, at a time of rising political polarization, many people's whole selves don't fit with the whole selves of their colleagues. No I've way. I've heard it from so many managers. They can't stand it anymore. The constant conflict over identities. Wow, so whoever came up with this idea, do they actually just feel like everybody agrees? Or the people that don't agree will keep quiet because they're on the wrong side of history? Well, exactly, and and that's the hubris of the A, stupid, and B, intellectually belligerent and rigid. The idea that, well, my ideas are the right ones, and so those ideas can be shared openly. People who disagree with me, they have the wrong ideas. 
So I don't understand what you're saying. You think they should be able to share those too? But they're wrong. I mean, can you imagine being that intellectually stunted? No. It's got to be scary. But I know some people with degrees who believe that. Yeah, well, wisdom and intelligence are two different things. I like this. Um, it's a quote from a Muslim fella who says, uh, a lot of this stuff is almost an offensive focus on group labels. It all but compels people to stereotype each other. I happen to be Muslim and a faithful Muslim, but that doesn't mean I interpret Islam like every other Muslim out there. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, it was a, a gal. She believes that people now use belonging as a tacit acknowledgement that uh, blah, blah, blah. Quit with the identity stuff. God, almost everybody we work with here, I don't have the slightest idea what they believe about anything. And that is better. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. All right, so speaking of uh, world leaders, let's play a little game. You can play along at home or in your car. Just raise your hand when your oogie meter goes off. (laughs) Your oogie alarm. The Dalai Lama has apologized following outcry over, why don't I describe to you step by step what happened and you let me know when your oogie meter goes off. The spiritual leader's office. Oh, thanks. Find time to go out. So the the Lama, if I were playing golf. I got to wake up my computer. Wake up. Stupid. If I'm playing golf against the Dalai Lama, it's mostly his putting game that. uh, To me, the most striking feature of his game is that he is a long hitter. The Lama. Oh, uh, let's see. Footage of the bizarre interaction went viral on social media. 
Hmm. All right. Here's what happens. In the video, the boy approaches a microphone and asks, can I hug you of the Dalai Lama? Nothing the, yet. No, certainly not. Again, play along at home. The 87-year-old says, okay. Yeah, it'd be, weird here. To, it'd be weird to say anything else. And invites him on stage. Okay. The Dalai Lama motions to his cheek and says, first here. And the boy gives him a hug and a kiss. Okay, I'm not, I wouldn't do that, but... He holds the boy's down. arms and turns to him, saying, quote, then I think fine here also, as he points to his lips. <laughs> okay, I'm officially both hands up on Oogie Meter. Oh, the spiritual leader then grabs the boy's chin and kisses him on the mouth as the audience laughs. Quote, and suck my tongue, the Dalai Lama oh, tells the boy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> No. There's the official government hoogie meter going off. He did not. He told the boy sticking out his tongue. Is that a, is that culturally acceptable in parts of the world when I'm not aware of it? Uh, not that I'm aware of. They press their foreheads together, and the boy briefly pokes out his tongue before backing away as the Dalai Lama gives him a playful slap on the chest and laughs. How old is the kid? boy goes to move away, but the Lama shakes his hand and holds it to his cheek before pulling him in for another hug. He then offers the boy some spiritual advice, which I'll get to in a moment. Was it about stranger danger? Because that's probably what he should be telling him. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Mm. The spiritual leader's office released a statement on Monday said, quote, he wishes to apologize to the boy and his family, as well as his many friends across the world, Sorry for the hurt whole... his words may have caused. Sorry about that whole tongue-sucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> quote, his holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, even in public and before cameras. I do that saying all the time. Saying that he regrets the interaction. Yeah, I need to be more playful. I'm going to go do that with the, the, the women over there in the sales end. Anybody want to suck my tongue? <laughs> hey, I'm just being playful. Wow. We need someone who's yeah. from other parts of the world to say, no, no, no. It's like it's as normal as a handshake where I'm from. I need somebody to say that. Otherwise, uh, I have some problems. The video has also gone viral on Spanish language social media. Oh, the uh, the clip caused a stir in India. Blah, blah, blah. Creepy. Disgusting. Blah, blah, blah. It's caused a stir in India. Well, he's from that part of the world. Mm -hmm. So they're not aware of the cultural normalcy of tongue sucking. That's a uh, very intimate not. act. Very intimate act. In most settings, yes. Yes, indeed. It's either very intimate or very drunken. Or both. But it's, it's, it's a rarely a sober with someone you've just met. So his offer in the apology said that sometimes his off-the-cuff remarks, which might be amusing in one cultural context, lose their humor in translation when brought into another. That's a complicated way of saying you had to be there. Uh, it's funny in Nepal. <laughs> oh, it kills in it's Nepal. It's a well-known bit in Nepal. Yeah. So uh, the spiritual advice he offered the lad... After the rather randy and off-putting suggestion was, quote, look to those good humans who create 
those good human beings who create peace and happiness and do not follow those human beings who always kill other people. And if you see an ice cream truck and it looks like the sign is hand-scrawled, stay away from it. Wow. Now, would you like to see a puppy? Oh, ho, ho, ho. Allegedly, perhaps. That's interesting. Well, he did apologize. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was was clearly being silly with the boy. Yeah, okay. Let me give you my most charitable view of this. Is it possible? Well, I don't need... For some reason, I was making some assumptions that I don't know if are true. Does a Dalai Lama not have a wife or sex or anything? Like, is it Pope-like? I don't know. I don't remember. For some reason, I was picturing the Dalai Lama being chased, but I don't know if that's the case. But if the Dalai Lama is... He's going to be chased through the streets if he keeps offering this sort <laughs> of thing little boys. Hi. Um, if the Dalai Lama is, is not uh, uh, someone that uh, engages in that sort of thing, Pope-like... Maybe he's so out of that world where you wouldn't realize that sucking on somebody's tongue is a is a hyper erotic sort of sexual thing. Maybe he just wouldn't know that because he well, doesn't that, do that sort of thing and never has. I don't know that that's the case. I, I simply don't know. But he's also eighty seven years old, and it's, it's a like well known right. It's a well known phenomenon that often at that age people lose their filter and like not just because they're old and they don't care what people think of them like they don't get that what they're saying is wildly inappropriate God, so, I, I already have that problem what am i going to be like when i'm 80 oof i'll be like andrew robes. i'll be like andrew dice clay when i'm in my 80s jack armstrong and joe getty the armstrong and getty show Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.